Hey, first of all, I want to say thanks to Pastor Jeff for last week. I, I listened to it on just your message about the place of praise. It was good stuff. Amen? So thank you for that. And uh, mm -hmm. we've been in the series called Stepping Up. And uh, just as a challenge and encouragement, like Pastor Jeff said, not to do more, but be mindful of places where the Lord wants to take us to a next level. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit this morning, uh, partly because it's Father's Day, but uh, for, for several different reasons. I was, uh, was going to kind of go one direction this morning, and uh, man, I, I've been preparing for uh, AFCM, that's the association we're licensed and ordained through. I'm speaking their national conference, and so I was working on this message. They want me to talk about transitions. Because of our, our association, the leadership's getting older. I'm part of this executive support team, and we're, we're helping to plan or look forward to the, the, the future there. And so I'm thinking about transitions. I'm thinking about Father's Day. I'm thinking about graduation, and that's what helped form my message. But before we get there, I just want to show you some awesome fathers. Is that okay? Because fathers are supposed to train up their kids in the way they should go, right? Do you believe that? So just, just some pictures of some awesome fathers. This is how dad does hair care. And I, I, I can appreciate the ingenuity of fatherhood for that. This is how dad imparts handyman skills. It's got the child right there, hands-on, doing the job with him. I can appreciate a father like that. Driving lessons, starting young. You got to start them young as infants with driving lessons. And then there's safe and satisfying entertainment. I mean, who needs Disneyland when you can be creative and ingenious like that father? And then there's the proper boundaries, teaching them to drive. You just put it right out in front of them so they know no higher RPMs than this, and this is as fast as she goes right here. And then when mothers are alone with their babies, just having fun, and when fathers are alone with their babies, it, it's... It's just a different dynamic. It's how fathers just bring out the best in their children. And, uh, and then a uh, little Duck Dynasty friend. Nothing makes a father happier than seeing his daughter with a smile on her face and her boyfriend with fear in his eyes. And, and so that's just little heads up as they reach those preteen years. Right, dads? And then this is scary dad. And, uh, and this is... A scary father at the beach, having fun with his kids. But, but speaking is scary. Scary means frightening, alarming, terrifying, petrifying. Lots of synonyms for scary. As I was preparing the message for transitions for AFCM and Father's Day here, thinking about graduations and the different phases of people's life, I ran across the passage of Scripture that's scary. And, and it's, it's scary to me as pastor, leader, father, it should be scary to some of you because we're called to impart a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview to the people around us and the next generation. And so when I saw this passage of scripture, it, it, it got my attention, kind of rocked me, but also helped maybe shift what I want to share with you this morning. And, it, and it's scary in a couple different ways that you're going to see because those of us that have walked with God, and I've been doing it now for 40 years, walking with him, and I've seen some amazing things. I've, I've seen God heal and deliver, and I was served tortillas by a lady that was raised from the dead in the jungles in Mexico. I've, I've just seen people filled with the Holy Spirit and delivered from fears, and, and just in my own family, seeing God provide and do some amazing things. Anybody seen that before? 
And, and the scary thing to me, well, let, let's just read about it. This is in Joshua tap, chapter 2, verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. And the yellow says, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he'd done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the borders of his inheritance at Timnath Haris in the mountains of Ephraim, the north side of Mount Gash. And when all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. And then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. When I saw this, I thought... Man, they just had experience coming through these years of wilderness where they saw God provide supernaturally and God organized them as a culture, as a society. They, they saw him move miraculously, the pillar of fire and the smoke and the, the things that led them and they get into this new place and it wasn't even one generation that's passed away and now they're serving the gods of this new, new place. How, how could they drop the ball? How could they have drop the baton so quickly. And I don't know about you as watching my kids grow, and now I feel like they're in their late 20s, 30s. They have a pretty good foundation, but we're around our grandkids now. We had our five-year-old granddaughter with us this week, and becoming more and more aware of it's up to me as an influence in her life to help impart knowledge to who God is and help introduce her to who this God is, who we love and who's taking care of us and who we follow. And so I guess the challenge to you and me this morning as we look at this is how, how do we hold on to these values and how do we impart these values and take ownership for the responsibility of imparting these values, whether you're a father this morning or a mother this morning or an aunt this morning or an uncle or just a cousin or, or somebody that's got influence around the lunch table at work or with the people on your work crew, how do we take ownership of this idea that we need to pass batons, that we need to impart to those around us. Are you okay this morning? So discipleship 101, how do I teach my family and others to follow after God? I've told this story, but this was years ago when Jeff was probably five or six, Ali was three or four, and Josh would have been just an infant. We went to Yosemite to camp. And one Saturday morning, I'm out there, and I remember we had the, the wiffle ball bat, and I'm pitching to Jeff, and, and Allie's running around in the dirt, and I look over, and here comes this man uh, with his two kids, and he opens up, he he's lays out on the picnic table the cloth, and he opens up a Bible, which is the Torah, and he puts on his little yarmulke and his prayer cloth, and he's got his kids sitting at the table, and he's teaching them and instructing them in the Word. I'm the pastor over here. Good hit, Jeff, right here. What's that guy doing? And intentionally, he's teaching the, his kids scripture. And I'm teaching my kid how to throw a fastball with a wiffle ball. And that stuff's all good and that stuff's all fun. But I know in, in that interaction, because I can still remember it today, the responsibility to impart to my kids the word of God, the principles of God, and the plan of God. I know it wasn't long after that when we came home, and I'm not sure if it was right from that, but we put our kids in Awanas, which is a Bible training, reading, memory thing, with the idea that we want to impart and train up and have an influence on our kids. You got awful quiet in here. You doing all right? So let's talk about passing the baton. Can I, can I have the batons? 
Thank you, Pastor Richard. Anybody ever been in a relay race? I know, Victor, you were. Several of you have been. Oh, a lot of hands went up. How many again? Lots of you. So tell me this. What's, what's the most important part of the relay race? It's a baton. First of all, the most important is just running fast. That's the most important, that you're fast. But you're right. The, the most important part is the handoff. When, what you do with the handoff, because you can go by yourself out to the track and you can run with your stopwatch as fast as you can, but if you're going to be part of a relay team, then the most important thing is the, the handoff. When, when the baton is passed from this person to the next person. And when I think about this handoff, what you and me are doing is not just passing a baton, we're passing batons, plural. We're passing things that we learned. We're passing insights. We're passing stories. We're passing wisdom. We're passing do's and don'ts. We're passing warnings. We're passing times when I, I messed up, guys, and I don't want you to go this way. When my kids first started dating, I had to have those passing on the conversation about boundaries and, and how to honor and how to respect, something I didn't do well in my dating history. I could go back and say, this is where I messed up, but I need to pass on to you some things that I've learned. And so in this relay race, passing the baton is the most important thing. Well, let's talk about it just a little bit more. So in Psalm 78, he gives us instructions on what to pass on, to pass on his praises. Now, Jeff shared last week about passing on God's stories or passing on the praises of the Lord. And this is what the psalmist said. He said, listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable. I'll utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Could you read the underline with me? We will not conceal them from their children, but tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he's done. What's he saying we pass on here? We need to pass on God's stories. We need to pass on the personal times in your life and my life when we encountered God. And it wasn't just about church. It's things that he did in our life when we're out in just everyday world, things that we've seen, things that we've witnessed. Our conversation sometimes when we leave church, it's over about God and it's about everything else. And, and I, I found for us, we have to look for those teachable moments. One thing about a handoff is it's intentional. When, when the baton comes, there's usually a snap in the other guy's hand. He, he feels it. He knows it's there. He's not fumbling for it. There's a handoff. There's a snap. When we look for teachable moments and say, we're not holding back to this generation, and I'm not just waiting for Sunday to tell my story, that as we develop God's stories, and we're faithful in sharing God's stories with the next generation, it's going to stick. It's going to have impact. Anybody with me this morning? Yeah? And so he goes on in, in Psalm 78, he says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, to the generation to come might know, even to the children yet born, that they might arise and tell them to their children. So this thing is not a sprint, it's a marathon. We're passing it on from one generation to another, from one child to a grandchild, from one somebody in our children's church, somebody that's our neighbor, we're, we're called to pass this thing on. Amen? Verse 6, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God 
and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like the fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So he said there's a few things that we're called to pass on here that we're called to impart to the next generation. You'll sacrifice and pay a lot to straighten their teeth, but how about to straighten their soul? How about to straighten out their soul? What's the cost for straightening out another person's soul? There's a cost in sacrifice. Sometimes there's a cost in provision. And I know some parents in here are making that decision. Sometimes it's a choice. Do we keep them in the public schools where now there's a certain influence and there's great public schools and great Christian teachers and helpful teachers in our public schools? But some of you, you're making a decision about the cost to put them around different, different influencers. There's a cost. We'll spend a lot sometimes for other things to help them develop on the club team so they're, when they get to high school, they can start, be in the starting lineup. We'll, we'll invest in those things, but how about the cost of imparting to their soul and strengthening them in God and helping them to become the men and women of God? Amen? Amen. So in this handoff, there's the right pace. This is not a speed race. I can't just sometimes just zap my kids or my grandkids on the back of the head and expect they're going to get it. This, this handoff is we're walking together. This handoff is... Jeff, remember, and th- this is what happened with me and my son Jeff this week. So my son Jeff's in, he's in Connecticut. He calls me up. He's in a business meeting. Jeff's 32, 33. How old is he? Three, 33. Thank you, wifey. And uh, <laughs> Jeff started his own business. And I don't, man, the, 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 the connections the guy's making, I, I, don't, I don't know how the Lord, it's favor from God. He's talking to me on the phone. He said, Dad, General Wesley Powell just walked in. He's heading into the meeting too. A few minutes later, Dad, so-and-so's here. He's, he's the former head of IBM. He's going to be at the meeting. So Jeff's telling me these things, and I said to him, man, how, how you're getting this place, it's, it's just God's favor. And he said this to me, Dad, I remember when I was in the principal's office. Remember when Mrs. Pritchard took me to the principal's office? Yeah, Jeff, I was there. He said, you told me a couple things then. You said back then that, uh, Jeff, someday you're going to get paid a lot of money to think out of the box, but right now you just have to learn to follow directions and obey. He reminded me of that. But then he said, but Dad, now I'm thinking out of the box. I'm getting paid for. But he he remembered those walking with him and talking to him about those things, those principles that we imparted. So this handoff's about the right pace. This, this handoff's not just screaming out directions, screaming out commandments, using the scripture to beat them over the head. No, th- this is about the right pace. It's about talking. It's about communicating. It's about relational things where we're imparting to them the principles of God, the love of God, the care of God. And it is intentional, intentional looking for teachable moments. We had our five-year-old, a granddaughter, over this week for most of a day. And it, she's just got an amazing little mind. She, she's... Really creative and artistic, but high speed, man. And just like, I want it now. Can I get some out of the refrigerator? Hold on. I'll, I'll get it for you in a moment. She's on the refrigerator pulling. There's just, you know, patient stuff. So in that, we got to look for intentional teachable moments, times where we can impart. We can't let those things go by. I still remember a story someone told me about being on an airplane and under conviction about sharing the gospel with the man next to him. And he said, I was tired, I was distracted. The last thing I wanted to do is just get in a deep conversation about his questions or whatever. He said, I I just want to be alone. So puts the earbuds in and reading. 
And, and the Lord, share my gospel with them. Share my gospel with them. And this man said it went on for however long the flight is, and he got up to get off, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I've been trying to set it up for 10 years to have somebody sit next to that man to share the gospel with him. And the Lord's timing, when, when teachable moments come, when, when we have an opportunity, we, we got to seize those moments, amen, to be able to instruct and be able to impart and to be able to step up and, and, and be able to share the things that God's put in our lives. Amen? You all right? So passing it forward, you, you and me, we got to take ownership for our people and our God-given assignment. Some of you aren't parents right now, but you're living in a place where the next door neighbors need help too. And when we talk about stepping up, just an opportunity to share. We, we sent a graduation card to our next door neighbor. She just graduated from high school. She's a bright gal. She's going to do really well academically. But we don't know much about the faith in their family. The mom, she's a Chinese Buddhist. And, and dad, I think he was raised years ago Methodist. And I've been over to his house a couple of times. And when his father was sick, we got to share a little bit. But on her graduation card, we, we okay, here's a moment. So we wrote Jeremiah 29, 10, 11, just as a blessing, just looking for opportunities to share and to sow. When we're intentional about the handoff, when we're intentional about messaging, when we're intentional about making a difference, that's stepping up as influencers, amen? This is what it says about King David. David, after he had served his own generation, say that with me, served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. Now, I'm talking about the next generation, but let me ask you this. Do you think you're serving your generation well right now? The people around you that you have, like for some of us, serving the next generation is scary. We don't know their music. We don't know their styles. This week, they have rolled up jeans. Next week, it's skinny, tight, cut-off jeans. We don't know their style. We're not sure what they're listening to, and so we're afraid sometimes of going down to that generation. But how about your generation? Are you thinking about the seeds that could be sown, the impact that could be made just amongst the friends that you know? It said David served his generation well. He served them by the will of God, and then he went to sleep. So you take an ownership for a people. And then when we talk about passing it forward, this, this is how he did it. He established a testimony. Scripture says, Psalm 78, he established a testimony. How about your testimony? Do you remember the things God's done for you and can you share those quickly? Can you, do things come to mind when people are going through tough times where you said, I, I had that once and man, this is what God did for me. This is how God helped me. It said he appointed a law in Israel. I hear Gordon say amen because I know lots of his story. You know when he had a heart attack and people were praying in the hospital, had one, what they call it, a white light experience? White light experience. Next day they came in and said, you got a new heart. They could see where... Things had been replaced. God miraculously intervened. It's part of his story, part of his testimony. And he, he appointed into a, a law in Israel. Do you have promises that you stood on that God brought the answer to that you could impart to somebody else? What comes out of you? Again, I was walking the dog around the neighborhood and uh, Lori, our neighbor, was there. And Lori starts talking to me about what's going on and her husband and we're friends and and then she starts talking about her shoulder. And I got the dog, and the dog's pulling. And in my spirit, I said, you should offer to pray for Lori's shoulder. And then that argument goes on. And then part of the argument is, you're telling your church to do it. Are you going to be a wuss and not do it yourself? 
You're telling your church to look for opportunities? Yeah, but the dog's pulling. No, you're telling your church to stand up and be bold, Pastor Mike? What are you going to do? So, hey, Lori, before I go, can, we, can I just pray for your shoulder? Laid hands on and prayed for her shoulder. Just those things where are we, are we looking for opportunity in our community? Are we looking for opportunity? And the last but not least, it says that these things happen. He established a testimony. He pointed a law that they should put their confidence in God. Can you tell people why and how you put your confidence in God? Can, can you tell them why now I can trust fully in the Lord? Is that part of your story? And when I think about our kids and, and what they hear coming out of our mouth, at the end of the day, could they say, Mom and Dad really trust God? Grandma, Grandpa, we can tell by being around them where, where they put their confidence, that they're, they're really trusting God and He's come through for them. Or if my conversation's contrary and I'm living a life and I'm declaring this one way, but living country, those things don't add up for young people. Those things don't add up. Am I scolding you on Father's Day? Maybe, a little father. Are we all right? Okay. Yeah, so oh, my number order got messed up here. But this just is another point, is to recognize and support a spiritual leader. If you're going from here to there, if you want to grow in the Lord, if your heart's towards the Lord, and this idea of passing on and, and developing uh, the next generation of people around you, maybe you don't consider yourself a spiritual leader, but I'll tell you what, you can find one and support one by just being in that group and being part of them. If you have a call to be a spiritual leader, it's time to step up. If you, if you have a call on your life and you know leadership gifts, one of the things God's put in you, some back off right away and say, I'm more in the hospitality group. I'm more in the, in the service group. Well, you still have influence. You can still have influence, but I, I'm telling you, it's so important in this season you know, God put people in tribes. He, he put them together for a reason, to support, encourage, build up one another. And, and if you're, you're not a spiritual leader to gather a group yourself, find one. Find somebody you can connect with. Our Saturday morning Cocos groups, every other Saturday, it's been going for a long, long time now. And now some guys are bringing in some people from the recovery homes, and the ministry's been good. It's been good for the mature guys to pour into the younger guys. And some of these mature guys at the table, I don't know if you consider them leaders. Maybe they've never led much. But I tell you, when they get in that group with other spiritual leaders and we're imparting and pouring out, people are growing. People are coming forward. So things are happening. And there's an impartation to that next generation. There's a guy that came to our group time before last. We went to pray. He said, I, I, I've been sober six days. He said, six days since when? Six days since as long as I can remember. These are the six days that I was sober. He came back yesterday, right? And we prayed for him two weeks ago, and, and things are flipping in his life. Things are turning around in his life. It's the power of corporate prayer, amen? The power of spiritual leaders taking their place. The power of somebody saying, I have things I want to hand off to you. I, I have stuff I want to hand off to you, stuff I want to give you, stuff I can impart to you, and being intentional to step up into that, Amen? I want to just close with this. The one thing that I think, out of all the things that I could pass on to my kids, is this idea of delighting in God. It's delighting in God. It's, obedience is one thing. I can teach my kids to obey. And, and sometimes they get that because they know there's consequences when they don't. And, and I could keep, t teach my kids about trust and what it means to trust. And, 
We haven't been great at that. There's times where they hear, you know, our doubt and their, our discouragement, and I know my kids have heard that. But the idea that when I delight in the Lord, when they see that my life is exciting and I'm excited about the Lord, that, that changes things for them. That changes things for them. So when we're doing things that, where we see God moving, and a lot of that comes through missions. Growing up, we had missionaries sleep in our house and tell stories about alligators and snakes and all kinds of stuff, things they were delivered from. Our kids heard those stories. Our kids have gone on mission trips with us. They, they've experienced those things. But when they see that our delight is just not in World Cup soccer, it's kind of fun to watch, or that our delight is not in other things or our main delight isn't, we have fun in other stuff, but our, if kids witness that your delight's in the Lord, there's something that excites you about the Lord. There's something that encourages about the Lord. When you're in a place and the, your kids, people around us, our neighbors, see that there's something they genuinely Man, they got this zeal in them about God. There's, there's something, a passion in them. They're delighting in the Lord. It's an attractional thing, amen? And so if I was going to disciple somebody and just was looking for a passage to disciple somebody, I think I would pick this passage because there's different components in this passage that you could pass on to other people. Psalm 37, it starts, don't fret because of evildoers. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and withers the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It goes on, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. That, that passage is full of instruction to pass on, but it's also full of promise. It, it, it paints a picture. If you do these things and develop and cultivate these habits and these mindsets, if you, if you just grow in these things, and I can impart those things to you, and I can pass on these things to you, if you do, there's going to be a huge difference in how your life turns out. So he says, don't fret. In other words, deal with worry. Learn to trust. Get to know God and other elders who trust him. Do good, he says. Sow seeds of good. Just sow good seeds. He uses another instruction to dwell. It means set down roots. Don't be a tumbleweed, but set down roots. So if you were taking somebody through a passage and you start telling them, this is what it means to, to delight in God, that you're feeding on him. And when you feed, it means you got to prepare a meal, but you also got to digest it. You got to eat it. You got to take it in. So he's explaining here, this is how you delight. This is how you dwell with God. He says, delight yourself, celebrate, be thankful for. Think about the good things God has done. To delight yourself in the Lord means to dream with him, to praise, to plan with him, to, to look forward with him. Delighting means I look back and see the faithfulness of God, but because I delight in him, it means I can also look forward and say, there's good things ahead. The culture, the world, things are going sideways, but there's good things ahead. They're, they're, they're God's in control, and he's pulling us in a direction and moving us in a direction. Amen? Amen? And then it says, commit your way to him. Make a covenant with him. Nobody really grows and, and reaches full potential without commitment. In your job, as a believer, that means making a covenant. It says, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to hang in. I'm going to follow through. Amen? Then last, it says, rest and wait patiently. Boy, if you could pass on patience, it's hard to pass on patience. 
something people have to develop. But if I could, if I could lay hands on somebody and just impart patience, I'd have you pray for me first. But, <laughs> but, but this idea that he says, wait patiently for them. Keep sowing. I like sowing and knowing. As I'm sowing, I'm knowing. God's going to come through. God's going to bring forth the harvest. God's going to bring about the results because it's impossible to sow and not reap. Amen? So passing those things on, those principles, just simply out of Psalm 37 is a good place to go. And this idea about delighting, this is the benefits of delighting. To delight yourself in the Lord and he shall what? He shall give you the desires of your heart. That's not me, doesn't mean if I just perform well, God's going to, you know, the great uh, ATM in the sky is going to just dump out, you know, shekels to me or, okay, dollars to me. The, this great ATM in the sky, no, that's not it. When I delight in him, he starts shifting my heart and growing my heart and expanding my heart. At the same time, he does give you desires. He blesses, amen? And then the promise, verse 5, he shall bring it to pass. If I do these things, I, I'm just positioning myself, but God does the work. When I learn to commit and learn to trust, and I can teach that and pass that on. My kids, you know, spend thousands. Jeff did thousands getting a college degree, but I still remember saying to him, Jeff, but if you learn to tithe and to give, you're going to see the blessing of God. You're going to see the provision of God. Jeff, commit your way to him. Jeff, commit your business to him. Commit, set down roots. You're going to see the blessing of the Lord. Well, when you do that, it says he, God, shall bring it to pass. Verse 6, and he shall bring forth your righteousness. So it's he shall, he shall, he shall. I position myself, and then God goes to work. And God begins to move, and God begins to intercede, and God brings the blessing, and God does the development. We just position ourselves, amen? And if I could pass that on with a baton. And, you know, sometimes it's not passing one baton. It's, it's passing many. God, you know, if, if you learn to trust and just learn to commit and learn to set down roots, and to stay faithful, then you're going to see God work, and God develop, and God move. Amen? Just, I just want to, I, I threw this up here, because I just uh, Googled tips for raising godly children, and on the right, you can see, and that just keeps going and going. Saying that, that we're not lacking resources to help us become parents, better parents. We're not lacking resources to help us improve in passing the baton. The resources are there. Amen? And so, like anything, you know, for health reasons, trying, I keep a health book around to look at. Sometimes we look at health articles. Jen's got a bunch online. Just, just things to sew into how, how to stay up on these things, how to be fortified in these things, to keep feeding ourselves so we can make a difference on others. Amen? Where did I put? Stand with me, and we're going to wrap this up right now. Are you all right? Let's, let's be influencers. Amen? Let's run in such a way that you may win, Scripture said. Let, let's run this race in such a way that we might win. Father, I thank you for those that trained us. I thank you for Tom Weigel and Tom, uh, Tom Evans and Mark Thomas and the other Thomases you put in my life and, and other people, Lord, that had an impact, that cared, that did things intentional in my life so I would get it so I would see it. I thank you, Father, as well, for our sphere of influence and those that we're called to pass batons to. I pray you'd make that clear. Our life message, God, the things that you've done in us, our God stories, I pray we'd be open and uh, obedient and just attentive 
towards passing on those stories in other people's lives. Stories of provision, but also stories of mistakes. When we've had to say, uh, when you've said no to us, and we've endured the times that you've said no, and we've walked through that and waited. Or other times you've said not now, and the patience we developed and the things we learned when, when our, our plans shifted we asked for something that came out different than we thought. And what we can learn through those and impart to those uh, people around us and the young people around us, help us to be mindful of God's stories. Thank you for your word. I pray we'd continue to be people of the word in here. And, uh, Lord, we have promises. We'd have things to share, scriptures to share that have made a difference in our life. We know your word is active and living. and It doesn't return void. And I pray, God, that we'd be quick and obedient and uh, just preparing, Lord, with, with things, scriptural promises that can make a difference for other people as you've made a difference for us. Thank you for revealing to us, Lord, those around our lives, bringing those to us, those that we can sow into, those that we can pass batons to. And I pray that over our church family.